Nice to have uh, David and Gabri back. to our numbers tonight as you can see we're a little thinner than normal for a Wednesday night so this is the first uh, service for the cross river people at across river so we were uh, we were we were taking action this morning and and also just with the acknowledging the emphasis of the of the spirit to, um, to be aware of the need to assign value and to take care how we frame things. And when we really took the opportunity to, to make declarations about who, who we really are in Christ, who we want to be casting our words ahead of us. And I was thinking about this. We said, perhaps if the Lord would lead, we would continue that. And you can't, you can't orchestrate something like that. But I, it seemed like it really resonated that there was a need for that. Um, and, and just think of how you, how you frame just life or frame events. You think of the spies. You know, these, these were men of renown in their, in their tribes. And really, they all saw the same thing, right? They all saw the same thing. But, but two came back with a with a good report and the rest uh, didn't. And you saw the power of the negativity. So I do think the Spirit is wanting us to be aware of, of um, how, we, how we see things and, and the need really to, to uh, turn the battle at the gate. Long before you see it, you need to turn it in your mind. But I, what I want to say, I really thought of, of David Angley, and most of you know him. Um, very wealthy man. We bought Beaver Resort from him. Very helpful for us over the years. Basically, he gave us the North End property, right? For those that didn't know that, he's responsible for the basement. We were going to have a, a little crawl space under here, and he, he said, no, we need, we need more than that. He, 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 he was very well off, but one thing he said that really always stuck with me, he said, I... I, I can't afford to hang around with people that don't have faith. And this guy is very wealthy. He could have everything he wanted, anything he wanted. But that's, he held himself in check that to not associate too closely, hang around with, with people of a negative spirit that didn't have faith. And I, uh, that, that always stuck with me. So tonight, let's, let's ask the Lord really to touch our hearts and to, um, to, to bring to mind the word of the Lord over us personally, the things that we know that God has made real to our heart, um, and, 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 and agree with that. So, Lord, help us tonight. We commit this service to you, Lord, whatever you would have for us, that you would cause our hearts to be yielded to that purpose, Lord, that we would align ourselves with truth, Lord, that we would not go by the seeing of the eye, we trust you tonight, Lord, that you would move on each heart, Lord. Particularly, we hold Kathy and Mark before you, Lord, regardless of what we see in the natural, Lord. We bring them before your great throne, Lord, that you would continue to work in their lives, Father, that your mercy would be extended to Kathy in time of need. Keep them, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Gather.
We had a very, very good convention. Uh, there was a bunch of people there, 150, I think. So it was a good, good crowd. Um, and um, there's a fine young man there. Uh, that we were with, uh, played the guitar, had hair like Gabriella. Um, <laughs> nice young man. I uh, know we had a nice visit with Abel. Um, <clears throat> Abel and Gabriella and Hannah made the main meals every day. Lunch, it was lunch, but it was the big meal of the day, so. That was nice. Uh, food was good. And that's important. Um, so I capitalized on them being away for the morning services. And that's when I spoke. Um, but it, I, we went to Canton first, the first weekend, and we had a really nice visit there. We hadn't been there for three years. And we got a chance to go visit Irene Conrad uh, for about an hour and a half at her home. She doesn't come out, but she told us a story that she was raised up out of hospice. <laughs> they had her in hospice as she was declining. And uh, the same day that the Queen of England died, uh, the attendants at the hospice facility came in and said, we have to, we have to tell you something. And that is that you're graduating out of hospice. Wow. You're too healthy to be here. So, um, so she's home. And she has all her wits about her and was great. We had a wonderful visit. She's such a dear saint. Um, anyway, you could remember her. She had some prayer requests while we were there. So we think of her and her daughter, Karen, who's taking care of her. And Karen told us that she was doing an excellent job taking care of her. And that's why she came up out of hospice. <laughs> so, so I, I guess um, Richard said it feels like we need an exhortation, but he didn't have one. So, um, <laughs> just trying to see what I actually want to say. Um, I mean, condense what I want to say. Oh, you are hiding it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, um, there's a group of people that um, the Lord hangs around, and they're mentioned in Isaiah 57, uh, verse 15. And that particular group of people it says are, uh, first it, had, it has this great introduction of God. It says, verse 15 of Isaiah 57, For thus says the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. So that's the introduction for the one we're talking about. And it says, with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And um, those, uh, that's the group uh, that our God 
the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, that dwells in the high and holy place. He invites us to be with him. And that is the condition, if we are with him, that we are in or will be in, if we are to be in fellowship with him and to be where he is. Now, God never leaves us nor forsakes us, but genuine fellowship is predicated on a con you and I being in a certain condition. And um, that is humble and contrite. And if you look at the, in the Bible and you look at <clears throat> the humble and contrite, I think probably one of the first um, characters we think of is perhaps Job. And Job... You know, if Job was in this fellowship, we actually would probably all stand up here and every so often, maybe every couple weeks, we'd mention what an example Job is to the rest of the fellowship, right? He, he you know, uh, if you read about him, he was perfect and upright and he hated evil. Um, and, I mean, we've got some pretty great people here. But nobody with that particular testimony. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we got some good ones, but I'm just saying. Um, and, you know, uh, we, we don't, you know, I think we, the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ means... Uh, the mind of Christ is to humble ourselves before the Lord. That's what the mind of Christ is. Uh, it says of, of, of the Lord in, in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, you know, he hum humbled himself and he took upon the form of a servant and all that. You know that scripture very well. Um, but we have the mind of Christ. We always have that available. That's the new man. That's the new creation that we can live in. But really, we don't always know the thoughts of God. And, um, and if you and I make look at Job, the thoughts of God are that Job needed to be dealt with because Satan was permitted to deal with Job and to go only so far, right? He had parameters. That's good news. Um, but you and I look at a, an example like Job and we think, my, this is the guy and this is who we want to aspire to be like. And, um, and God looks at him and he has different thoughts. And his thoughts are that this son of God needs to be dealt with thoroughly. And, you know, the thing is that I'd like to encourage you with this, that it took Job 42 chapters to come into being humble. There's a lot that transpires in all that, um, in all the, the book of Job. He's got all that loss. And then he and it isn't just, you know, then he has to meet with his friends. Right. And. uh and I know one of the things you've all discovered about living together is that uh, people say things, right? Um, now, these men, before too critical of the three men that came with Job, and we've read the whole book, so we know that they were wrong. If we were left on our own, we thought they had some pretty good input. 
Um, but um, they met Job and they saw him afar off, and then they were they were silent for seven days. Right? Um, that's that's pretty good. It's a pretty good achievement. Um, but it took Job all that time, and 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 I just have to say, uh, Job was not. Um, humbled by the suffering. Suffering has different effects on different people. And there is suffering filling this whole world. And people come out differently. Really what, what brought Job to Job 42 was his dialogue and encounter with the Lord. And what suffering does is bring us into a dialogue with God. What's going on? What is happening? That's why we need some. Every one of us does. And we're all different and we need different kinds and different levels and depths and heights and frequency. Um, and it's all that we would come into. God's intention is that we would come into a dialogue with him, that we could have a, a genuine encounter with him. And I think one of the worst things about the church, and I don't want to say which church, I mean the church, all the churches, is that there's a, there's a, um, a false encounter with events or with experiences or... Um, and, and what God is really after is a genuine, honest encounter with us as his children, as his body, as his, the ones he's called out. He wants a genuine encounter where we live and what goes through our minds, what kind of nervous system we have, what kind of specific warfare that we are in. He wants an encounter with us uh, because the only way you and I are changed is by the Spirit of God. I mean, that's in that what 2 Corinthians 3 says, 18. We're changed from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. I see that as there, the glory of God is, is something that's made real. It's something that with us, in a, with us uh, um, uh, taking a, a, the, a, the veil off, the cover off, so that you actually get an encounter with who the Lord is and all his magnificence and honor. If you look up the word glory, it's a really comprehensive definition with a lot of heavy-duty words. Like magnificence, like honor and dignity and um, power and majesty and all these uh, big, big uh, words. And what Job did, he came into an encounter with the Spirit of God. And, and in comparison to where he was living, he said, oh, <laughs> the only thing left for me to do is to humble myself. <laughs> And, and repent and in dust and ashes and say, oh my goodness, I have been talking about stuff I didn't know. I didn't understand. And, and the process that every single one of us is in, I believe, is to come encounter with the Spirit of God and, and really have a, a touch with how He sees things, how He looks at things, and, and the magnificence of His work. Mm -hmm. And to be convicted and to be touched and to be encountered with that. And it brings us into the place where we all, all that's left to do is say, Lord, I am nothing. And I humble myself before you. I, I don't know the way. I, and, and somehow I've thought that the thoughts, 
You know, we say this as, as Christians. We say, well, this just came to me. Can I tell you, that doesn't mean it just came from God. Just because it landed. Right? You know? And sometimes we believe our thoughts are God's thoughts. And, and, and I just have to say, um, his thoughts often are very, very far removed from ours. And, and it is so significant. And you don't just get those. You, you search for those. You get into a dialogue, a depth of dialogue with him and say, Lord, here I am again. Um, I don't seem to, I don't know, some of the things I thought I learned, I, they're not sticking because here I am again. I turned to Joe Latour in the convention. I said, Joe, do you ever have to relearn the same things? And, uh, and relearn and relearn and relearn. You know, he, he, we have a wonderful Heavenly Father that uh, walks us through the things that he really wants us to get. We're any, any, and I, sometimes, I don't know if you do this, I do this, I say, well, I thought I already learned that, but here I am again, right? And, uh, and I believe God is, uh, I think all of us would agree that God has been extremely patient with us and long-suffering. But I don't want you to get weary um, with the relearning process. Um, because the process of that is really to bring us um, into uh, dependence. Uh, that today, again, I don't, I don't necessarily have God's thoughts. Today again. Um, and, and, you know, there's a wonderful type and shadow in the Old Testament that the children of Israel, um, Moses, you know, they, the children of Israel always did the opposite of what the word of the Lord was, right? So the Lord said, don't gather man, don't keep manna. You just collect it every single day, except on the sixth day you get twice as much because I don't want you out there on the seventh pointing to the Sabbath rest, you know. And, but actually what they did was saved it. And, and uh, it bred worms, right? <laughs> it rotted and it bred worms. And then on the Sabbath, and then when the Sabbath came, uh, instead of collecting enough Saturday, they went out Sunday. Or I don't know, I'm sorry. Let's not say Saturday and Sunday. Let's just say the Sabbath. And they went out again when they weren't supposed to, right? Um, you see, this isn't like to save up. I had a real, I had an encounter with the Lord yesterday. So that's going to, I'm saving that up. You know, like how Richard put his word from God in his pocket. He's hiding it. Saving it. Yeah. I didn't mean to use that. The Lord just brought it to me. It just came to me. It must have been from the Lord. But the, there's something about um, this relationship that God wants to um, wants us to continue in, and that's why today the Bible says is so important. Today it says in Hebrews three, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, because today again, son, you need to. Be in contact with me. Today, again, you need to 
uh, seek my thoughts. And I don't always get the thoughts of God, but I do know this, that I have a place in Christ that I can abide. And that place is a place where I am under and realizing that the source of life comes from my Father, and that's the only place it comes. And if I want to have the life of God working in me and, and through me, then I need to find it out again. And I, don't, I can't just accumulate it and save it over because I had a, a breakthrough. We had a, a praise service. Um, I don't know if you know Noemi. Yeah, it used to be Maldonado, but she's married. So I don't know her last name. I was trying to think of what it is. Her husband is Martine. Anyway, wonderful couple. She led this praise service. It was only probably 20 minutes or 22 minutes or something. I can't remember what, what day it was. I don't know if it was Friday night, maybe. I can't remember, but oh my gosh, she took us into the ionosphere. Uh, it was so beautiful. And, and um, I was so lifted. I hadn't been in, I mean, we've had good praise services, but this thing really just took off the roof. And, and uh, she sang a song, and I know Bill wants us to probably sing it. It's, uh, some of you that listen to music maybe know it. I'd never heard of it. But, and I don't know, sometimes you go look up the song, and it's not the same. Because <laughs> you get these certain places that sing it, and they get a lot of breathiness in it and all that stuff. Anyway, it's called You Are Worthy of It All. I don't know if anybody knows that. Um, but it was such a beautiful song and it really lifted us. Anyway, but with that, the next day we had another service. You know, you have another encounter. You have another day. You wake up differently. And, I'm, <clears throat> and this isn't about accumulating from from this one day and saving that up and that's good and I can go on my way. This is um, really about living a life in Christ that is uh, a, an ongoing encounter. Or ongoing, uh, and when I say that, I don't mean anything so fancy always, but an ongoing seeking that's taking place in our hearts to know that once again today, I need the contact with my Heavenly Father, I need contact in order to have any kind of life. And, um, <clears throat> and, and so today is very important again, because this relationship, it, you know, there must be the spontaneity of the Spirit coming out of us. And that's the, that's the damnable. <laughs> it's okay if you add A-B-L-E at the end. Uh, you can say it then. Um, about and, and we have to have some structure and we have to have scaffolding and we and we you know we have a work schedule and all that that's okay but but if if that's the um, the totality of our experience we're we're missing the whole point right we're missing the whole message the point is that you and I um, God must bring us into this encounter with Himself. And he uses suffering to get us to desire to have a dialogue. He uses suffering. And, and, and it's called the sufferings of Christ. Uh, you know, Peter says, blessed are you if you suffer as a Christian. <laughs> is anybody, uh, you don't have to raise your hand. But has anybody else done any suffering not because you didn't, weren't a Christian? Mm. Yeah, I have. I've done some suffering for things that have come out of my mouth that were not Christian. <laughs> 
But, but, but Peter says, you are blessed, right? If you suffer um, for being a Christian. And I know we have some dramatic uh, projections about that. It's not in a Colosseum. Or, um, but really what it is, is, uh, you know, I think the best definition, I was thinking about this, the sufferings of Christ. Paul says, I'm filling up sufferings of Christ. Um, there's a bunch of scriptures about it. We don't have to look at them, but you can do your own little study. But I want to look at one verse that seems as though to me is the basis of suffering, is the definition of it. And it's in 2 Corinthians. Did I say that? Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be of the consolation. For we would not, verse 8, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. That, in fact, is the definition of what it is, the sufferings of Christ. The sufferings of Christ are such that you and I realize that we have the sentence of death in ourselves um, because we, as our, we are not a source of life. That means every day I am not able to provide life for myself. And I have a sentence of death in me for this one reason, um, that we, I should not trust in myself, but in God which raises the dead. So the, the real point of the suffering is, um, is that it gets us what Paul says, uh, pressed out of measure, above strength. That is a definition of, of what suffering is like. It pushes you out of measure. It pushes you above strength. A place where you absolutely do not have the answers. The very thing that I would love to, to remove from my life is the very thing that I must have to realize that what I have is a sentence of death in myself for a reason that I can be delivered from trusting in myself. So God brings me into the condition where I am pushed above strength, above measure. It pro uh, propels me into a dialogue with him and say, oh Lord, I am out of uh, any capacity to do anything about this. God orders those things in our lives to create this dialogue with him and an encounter with him. 
And the encounter with his spirit brings us into the condition where we say, God, why would I ever trust in myself again? And it doesn't mean that the test is over. I just mean you come to that over and over and over. Lord, I don't want to trust in myself. I've been trusting in myself. It's not, you don't wake up and decide, I'm going to trust in myself today. Get out of my way. Nobody does that. If you do that, it's silly. I mean, it'd be humorous if someone said that in the morning at breakfast. Family, I have an announcement. Me. I'm the guy. Nobody does that. It's automatic. And God must bring us into the condition where we can have an encounter with His Spirit to show us that He is glorious. And actually, altogether, trustworthy. And that's what happened with Job. And I'd like to encourage you, that's the process we're in. Job is not in there as some singular entity. Job is a picture of a son that was imputed with righteousness. And sin is not imputed to him. And then he had to be dealt with. That's what the picture is. To get us to the point where we say, Lord... I said a lot of stuff. But man, I didn't have your thoughts. And what I really need are your thoughts. Your thoughts. We need God's thoughts. And that requires an encounter with him. And that requires incentive to get us out of trusting ourselves and into a place where we say, Lord, I got to have you again today. It looks as though, considering my reaction, considering where I find myself, it looks as though I shifted into self-trust again. And I guess I must relearn today. There's no shame in relearning, right? God is... God is patient. He's long-suffering with us. Um, and he just wants us in this dialogue and communication. I think someone's saying, and I was reminded of that, pour out your heart before him at all times. And God puts things in our lives where it presses us to pour our hearts out. Lord, I have no capacity for this. Um, my eyes stretched out um, the great thing is that God himself is so much for this relationship he says I live with those people those are the ones I live with the ones that are humble and contrite so that I can revive so I can bring them up. That's the process we're in. Amen.
finished with my notes now. <laughs> little pride there when he said that. I think it's uh, complete. I love God because you, you know, you, we can plan our ways, but the Lord certainly directs our steps. And there'll be a lot less suffering. I, I, you know, it's one thing when you suffer for righteousness, but when uh, some things we go through needlessly, I think at times, you know, we're just slow learners. And um, I, I appreciate the Lord uh, speaking clearly here tonight. So I think it's, it's pretty, pretty uh, complete with that. So Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, to uh, enter in into that dialogue with you, Father, in advance, Lord, of suffering. We would get acquainted with your ways, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you desire fellowship with those of a humble heart, Lord. So we, we wait before you, Father. We quiet ourselves tonight, Lord. We allow entrance of your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord. Let's quiet ourselves just a moment here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. will be dismissed.